Lisa cooked the best turkey ever this time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're really good about it. We give away the ham and keep the turkey. Anyways. So I want to, uh, before we actually start, I want to go on and thank the Moors and Lisa. They did this decoration. Isn't that nice of them? Give them a big hand. Yeah, there you go. That's right. Uh, I, got a, I got toys back here. I want to show you my toys. And you're going, well, why do you have that? Well... You have to keep coming to find out. <laughs> um, if we haven't met, my name is Daryl. Uh, yeah, great to have you this morning. Uh, we sing that, that song, King of Kings, it says it all. We just spend the next 20 minutes singing that and just get it all full. And the, hey, God bless you. Let's pray. We'll see you. <laughs> I mean, that's this powerful song. Um, you know, this is a season, as Betty was saying. Thank you, Betty. And thank you, Cheris. Didn't she do a great job? Yeah. Amen. Let it rain in our hearts, right? Uh, you know, we live in a world globally that um, there's just a lot of disasters going on, not only um, naturally, but disasters afflicted people uh, humans upon humans, you know, um, and uh, where we tr- we try to f- uh, afflict other people in our way of thinking, and then we make them do it, or we have this ability to think that because we're one nationality, that means another nationality is uh, lesser than we are, um, and we kind of do it through. In our own society, economically, we, we, we have that kind of mindset sometimes. Um, where I grew up, uh, I grew up around uh, an area that had numeral gangs. And, uh, and you had to basically be a part of something, and that became a sense of protection from other people. But actually... Uh, as I've grown up through the years, what I've noticed is um, that mindset is a global mindset. That mindset is that, um, uh, you know, those that are stronger dominate the weak or try to. And as we think about this, what we call an Advent season, um, it's the idea of God breaking into a society where that was taking place. When you look at the children of Israel, as you, as you read the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, and I know that sometimes we just don't feel like it applies to us, but let it, if you read the Old Testament in light of what it means to Jesus, it says a lot. And at any rate, when Jesus was born... When the gift of God came, that the leaving, creating a new covenant, God's people were under the thumb of the Roman rule. And at that time, so was every other nation that they controlled, were under their thumb. And the children of Israel were 
desperately praying that God would raise up that root of Jesse, the Messiah, that would come and reestablish that nation to their rightful place of being the, the, the representative, representatives of God. And so they were desperately waiting for that. So this morning, as we enter this Advent season, what we celebrate is hope, peace, joy. And then over here we have the love tree. <laughs> represented by the heart. We, it, you know, it's hope, peace, joy, and love. All wrapped up in one person given for us. And so this morning, in the name of Jesus, we light this candle, this Advent candle, and say, Lord, would that hope lives. Hope is more than a feeling, but it lives. It's strong. It stand the test of time. So in the name of Jesus, we prayerfully light this candle. Really? Really? You know, I test things out. Try that one. Dave, thank you for You're being welcome. here today. Piece of junk. I tested that, actually. And so, you know, we've all been invited to this invitation. And as you think about that invitation, as we think about that moment when the angel came to Mary, aren't you and I, we're blessed that she said yes, right? She said, as be it says unto you. Let it be unto me as you say. You know, she said yes. Not really understanding what it meant for her for the days ahead. And by faith, she kept saying yes. To the very end. And so as we enter into this invitation of hope. It is a, we, we sometimes don't realize what that truly means. That hope that doesn't disappoint. How many of us in this room, if not all of us, have been disappointed? The Bible says, it actually says in Proverbs, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. How many of you felt sick when something didn't happen the way you were hoping it would? <laughs> yeah, all of us could raise our hands, right? But what we're talking about this morning is a hope that it stands the test of time. A hope that is real. It's more than an emotion. And then we'll talk about a, a peace that cannot be explained. And a joy too great for words. And many, much of it, we sing songs just like that. And then a love that never fails. 
That is what we celebrate this Advent season. That is why we come together. And I understand that life is challenging. I understand that we all have inner disappointments from time to time. I understand that life's not perfect. And uh, it doesn't quite always go the way that we think it should. But in spite of all of that, there's a hope that is continuous. There's a hope that is moved out of an old covenant, which is the Old Testament, that has been completed and continues on in the New Testament, which is the new covenant in Christ. And that you and I can embrace that hope in the midst of a storm. Matter of fact, I, I think it is Mark 4, where, where, G, where, the, where, where he says, we're going to go across the lake here. And everybody, all the disciples, all of the fathers get in, all 12, and they get in the, in the boat and they start going, and these are, you know, some of them are seasoned sailors and fishermen, and they hit this outrageous storm. And Jesus, and before they hit that, Jesus says, well, I'm going to go take a nap. And I know some of us are going through a storm, and must, you say to yourself, Jesus must be taking a nap. At least it feels that way sometimes, right? But then... They all go and say, Lord, don't you care what's going on around us? Don't you care that we might die? And he gets up and calms the storm. Fear gripped them. When the storm was calm, hope overcame them. That's the thing about fear. It likes to grip us. And so... I want to talk to you this morning about a gentleman in the Bible. It's uh, Luke chapter 2. After Jesus was born, because Joseph and Mary were dedicated Jews, some 40 days after he was born, he goes to the temple to dedicate Jesus. Because that's what Jesus, it's much like how we dedicate our children here. And so they go prepared to dedicate Jesus. And it starts with verse 25. It says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was a righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah, meaning the anointed one, to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And so he, the Lord spoke to him, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and says, You are going to see the Messiah. Goes on and says, and had revealed to him that, the, that he would not die until he sees the, Lord, the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. And he sees the baby. He sees Little Jesus, and he took the child in his arms and he praised God, saying, he said, he's here. He wasn't a part of the shepherds or the three wise men 40 days earlier. He was led by the Spirit to go to the temple that day and he sees Jesus. And he sees Jesus and he he has him in his arms. He began praising God. 
And he said in verse 29, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nation, and he is the glory of your people Israel. What a, what a prayer of praise. And he goes on in verse 33. And Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them. He just blessed them. Now traditionally, we don't know this, if this is true, but traditionally... Simeon is understood to be like 113 years old. I'd be ready to go to heaven. Just saying. And so his heart is leaping because he sees the fulfillment of God's promise. And his heart leaps when he sees it. So what is it? That is motivating him. What is it? As he, We know that he was a dedicated follower of God. The scripture says so. We don't know a lot about him. But we know what was said right here. He had that trustful hope. That expectation. In particular, to the fulfillment of God's word. See, he wasn't moved by what was taking place with the tyranny of the Romans. He wasn't moved. Has not God said? He was, it didn't change his mind. It didn't look good. It's not looking good. You know, but he said, God's promise will be fulfilled. His promise, God's promise to Simeon was this. You will not die until you see the salvation of your brothers and sisters. And he stood on it. He stood on that word. He had this hopeful expectation, this trust, the immovable trust, this unmovable expectation of God's promise. Hope is an anticipation of God's outcome for our lives, right? Think about that. Hope is an expectation of God's fulfillment in our lives. That's what hope is. That's how we, gotta, we have to let it rule our hearts just like that. Do you believe me? I got to hear a little. Yeah. I'm kind of getting slow up here. I need a little push. That's good. Great time to say, amen, brother. Okay, thank you. God's expectation for me, for you. I'm going to tell you a little. I'm going to be transparent. Growing up, I, my personality was such that I, I ignored problems. Actually, it landed me in the clink a few times by ignoring simple problems that grew to these big deals. 
that could have been easily taken care of, but I was too busy being me. That cost me dearly. And then I remember one time I said, you know, this is stupid. I'm not living life this way anymore. And I remember making that statement and then not following it. Anyways, but maybe you understand that. I, I would just not deal with things. And I, all I needed to do was deal with things, and I wouldn't have those kinds of outcome. I think, I think a lot of times we're, we're, our, we're like that. If we ignore it, it'll go away. Do you guys, you guys know that? You know that? If we ignore it, it goes away. Well, I want, I'm here to tell you, I have never really experienced that. <laughs> and maybe and maybe in the midst of all of that as 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 Simeon was praising God that now I can go and be with you maybe he was thinking about Isaiah 7 <clears throat> No, it'd be Isaiah 9, 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Prince. His government and his peace will never end. Yeah, yeah will never end. It exists forever. Jesus said himself in uh, Matthew 5 that... Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not. That is what hope is established in. That is what peace is established in. That is what joy is established in. And as well as the foundation, all of those stand on the foundation of love. Loving God and loving others. That's what's in between all of that. Or possibly, he was thinking about Isaiah 11. And it says, out of the stump of David's family, where it's talking about King David, the lineage of Jesus, grows a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord, and he will not judge by appearance, nor make decisions based on hearsay. He will have justice on the poor. That's describing Jesus. Here, these words were written some 800 years before the birth of Jesus. You're talking about standing the test of time. You might not know this, and if you, you do, there's well over 350 documented prophecies of the Bible that came true. So in my mind, when we, when we say no to Jesus, it's a feeling. We don't want to believe. But that does not mean he's not the truth. And what I, my experience with most people is they don't want to do the research 
to find out if who Jesus says he is, is. Because they don't want to change. How about that? Somebody just say, preach it, Evans. You're, you're really, you got me going here. And also, in the back of Simeon's mind, he says, God, you know, in the Old Testament, God alone was hope. He was alone the object of hope. And what I mean by that, it was a hope generated by those deeds of history. Think about it. When you think about Simeon and he's thinking about his heritage, he's thinking about his people called out from amongst a group of people where God says, I am going to make you my own. The beginning of that was that fulfillment promise made to Abraham. Abraham, God calls him out. This man, he says, the whole nations that are linked to me are going to be based on you. My promise to you is your inheritance. It'll be The people will be like the, the, the sands of the sea. You and I are a part of that, to say yes to Jesus. You and I are a part of that covenant that he made with Abraham that existed, all goes all the way to this very day. And then he redeems a people out of captivity that were brought under the thumb of the, of the pharaohs, of the king of the day, and brought in and used them to build his pyramids for their sake, for their glory. And he was, they were brought under the tyranny of that time. And God rescues them. And then when he rescues them, he's out there, and they're, they're out, in the, out in the wilderness, and then the Lord provides for them. And then he makes them his, he forms this covenant. And he gives them this promised land. He says, now I'm giving you this land. And, he, and, he, and through that whole going into Canaan. And I know you, you might not know all the history. But it's God's provision for them. And then we fast forward to today. To you and I. It, Jesus is just like that, is our provision for today. He is God's promise, heaven's promise for you and I. And He is for you. And He loves you, even when you don't like yourself. He loves us in spite of ourselves. Isn't it mind-boggling to you? Because love in our world is based on performance. Love in the kingdom world is based on his love, period. That's just the way it is. And out of that comes this, this, this hope that rises up within us, that takes us beyond our own ability and say, I trust in your word, O God. Let it dwell richly in my heart so I can be all that I can be in you. And Simeon knew, he knew, those who call upon God, God will be merciful. And he knew that day he saw the mercy and the covenant of God fulfilled with his own eyes. And you and I see it all the time. We see the, the, the mercy and the acts of the Lord often. As we look into the New Testament, this, what we understand is the New Covenant speaks as a source. 
Jesus is that source, that complete source of hope for each and every one of us. We sang the song today, Jesus, Jesus. I mean, it's just something very powerful about speaking out the name Jesus, isn't it? When you just speak out those words, the name of Jesus. When you feel like you're in the midst of life storms, when you feel like everything's going wrong, when you feel like darkness is coming in at you at every side, when you've got every finger around you pointing at you and you speak those words, Jesus, all of a sudden things begin to change. And it might not be around you as much as it is inside of you. Right? Isn't that right? When you speak those words, something takes place. It's huge inside of us. I love the the song. I don't I forget who wrote it. Though none will follow you, I will. Though none go with you, I will. See, we need to say things like that. I like to say them out loud. We put our hope and a living God. A God that created everything that is beyond us. It's beyond our, um, how, uh, we, we can't, we, by faith, you know, I, I can't wrap my head around it. It's too big for me. But we worship a God to create everything. We worship a God who says, I knew you before you were a thought. We worship a God who says, my hands are upon you. First Peter tells us this. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because of God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we have, now we live with a great expectation. That great expectation is a hope that God has given us. Jesus is our source of life. The rock on which hope is built. He is the first and the last, the Bible tells us. He is the day spring, dispelling darkness. I love the language. His light blinds darkness. It wanders around. Christ is the foundation by which our hope exists. Jesus is the Messiah, has brought salvation by his birth, life, death, and resurrection. Singing that song, Kings of Kings. He is all that for us. That is what we celebrate. The one thing about I love about this Christmas season is that it helps me focus on, reminds me of who I am and why I am who I am. Do I need to say that again? It reminds me of who I am and why of who I am. Jesus. You know, I, I thank you, Betty, for uh, giving everybody permission <coughs> to listen to Christmas music. <laughs> I will go on and say that I did, I started a little early. I did start Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> I, need, I, need, I need a little joy puckling in my heart there. But it is some of the best worship ever written. Ever. 
Come, let us adore him. Listen to it every day. But what makes it special is we, we, we focus on this one season of four or five weeks. God's promises, the promises of heaven, the promises of his kingdom are fulfilled in Christ. They are what makes us who we are. I love what Romans 5.3 says. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance. Don't you just love it when Paul puts something out there you want to ignore? <laughs> and that... I am enduring right now. I understand that probably many of you in the Odyssey house can relate to this. (laughs) We are for you. We are for you. Trust me. We're glad you're with us and we are for for you. The Bible's for you. For we know that it helps us to uh, develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. See, the reason I shared a little bit about my personality, it did not create endurance. It created slothfulness that I paid the price for. Then when I actually came to Christ, And I began to embrace the idea, I need to be responsible for the things I do. That's that's really what... And then all of a sudden, I just started to say, I'm going to be responsible for the things I do. And I'll go make it right. When I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. Um, Being married really helped me with that. Just saying. But... You know, and, and just modeling for our children and being an example to those around me the best I can. In other words, I didn't want to live two lives. I wanted to be the real deal. The real deal. I didn't want to be one way here and walk out the door and be another way, right? I wanted, I wanted to be consistent. And uh, I'm not saying I did that perfectly. I'm not saying that I didn't have shortcomings. I'm not even saying that I didn't have gross failures. I probably did. But I kept saying, I want to do this right. I want, to, I want to be everything that Jesus wants me to be. And you can too. You can too by just saying, Jesus, help me do this better. Jesus, I know what you want me to be. I know what you've created me to be. Help me to do this better. See, Paul is saying, life has a way of creating this hopeful endurance and we live in that present confidence that Jesus is for, for us. And, and we understand that we're not perfect. We understand that we have this living hope inside of us that compels us to move forward. We get that. He goes on and says in verse 5, And this hope will not lead to disappointment. That, you, you need to know that in your heart. It doesn't, it doesn't. Endurance, doing the right thing leads to hope. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Right? All that to say this. 
Jesus is with you. He is for us. He has a plan for each and every one of us. doesn't matter what our age is. He has a plan. Part of that is us discovering in that relationship what that means for each and every one of us. And God has given us the body, you and I, one another, to help us get down this road together. Let's have uh, the worship team come forward. We're going to take our offering now. And I want to just thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for, for giving. And by the way, while we're thinking, I bet you guys were curious about this, right? We uh, brought in for our Thanksgiving offering. <clears throat> We're going to bring it up to a round number. $6,205. There you go. That's what you guys did, right? That's what we did together. That's an example of us, everybody doing a little bit. A lot gets done. And so, uh, you know, God bless you. Really, just God bless you. And I know that some of you stepped out in faith. May God increase that faith a hundredfold. May he just increase it. May you see that a hundredfold in different ways. May you see the hand of God in your life. And may you continue to grow in this place that we call gratitude and generosity. May we all just continue to grow in that. This type of perseverance that Paul is talking about, this, when he, when he um, weaves that with hope, is not passive. It is not a passive perseverance. It's where you and I stand up and say, yes, Lord. Where we take the example of those that have gone. We take the example of Mary and say, yes, Lord. We take the example of the apostles and say, yes, Lord. We take the, uh, the example of those great men and women through modern history that have said yes. We take the examples of those that are out there in the field today, in this field as well, and keep saying yes. Let that hope continue to live. Let's, let's sing a song.